0: All right, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. The book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. One of the minor prophets. Not minor because they have less to say, but minor because they are smaller books. (coughs) Habakkuk chapter 3. Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai. Not too far from... (coughs) the end of the Old Testament. You found it there, Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2. Here's what I want to talk to you tonight. We, we live in a wicked world. Now, we live in a world that's so wicked and we don't know it half the time. We're kind of like the frog in the kettle. Uh, you know, it, 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 they, it, frogs are cold-blooded creatures, so if you put a frog uh, in hot water, it's not going to recognize it. And the frog before it recognizes that the water is getting hot Uh, is going to actually explode, right? We live in a wicked world, and the the world all around us is wicked, and it's embraced wickedness and accepted it and taken wickedness and made it right and taken sin and turned it into virtue, and we're just living, you know, we're just going through it. We're just kind of living with it. I mean, think about abortion for a second, right? By what stretch of the imagination does anybody have the right to take a life uh, that can't actually defend itself. You realise that what, what our um, advisory uh, committee—I'm not sure of the name—to to, to the government, they said effectively that if the baby's born alive, uh, it should be killed. I mean, this is this is Ireland. This is this is these things are crazy. And I mean, I understand a woman has the right <coughs> to control her own body, and I applaud that. But you know what? <coughs> After a baby has been conceived, the baby has a right too, and it 's ridiculous to say that the baby doesn 't have any rights, and that the baby is just a <clears throat> piece of flesh uh, and, and can be removed but that 's what our culture is doing that 's what our society is pushing for. We do everything we can uh, to stop that from coming about, but you know <clears throat> uh, it 's a worldwide thing. Uh, the rights of women have now become far more important uh, than the rights of babies and that's just the way it is. And people will openly stand on the street and proclaim their right to kill a baby. That, that's mind-blowing. That really is mind-blowing. Homosexuality, dare you say there's anything wrong with it today? That's when you get to be wrong. Homosexuality is not wrong, but you saying something is wrong uh, about homosexuality, that's what's wrong. That's an, that's an amazing turnaround in a very short time. You know, <clears throat> we've got uh, pornography, and at the root of it all, we've got humanism. where man has become his own God, and God better take it off the stage because he's getting in the way. And um, <clears throat> man's going to do what man wants to do. Now, <clears throat> you and I, we live with it, so we kind of become immune to it. Or we're not shocked by it. But do you know, that God doesn't operate on that basis. That God hates sin. And that he's the God that hasn't changed. And that he's the God that destroyed the first world because of the wickedness of man's heart was continual. And violent and he, his imagination was, was continual. He, he destroyed that world. And, he, and he doesn't, he, he's not even ashamed of it. He never even said sorry afterwards. You know what? It was the right thing. Same God rules in heaven today, and he looks upon our world, and sin angers him greatly. And if we were left to God's anger, he would destroy us all. He would just wipe it out. But we're not. We have another thing to deal with about God that is so helpful to us. It's this little thing called mercy. This little thing called mercy, and God <coughs> wants to show mercy. In fact, one writer said this: that the 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 the, the, the whole Bible uh, has as a, a as a central theme, if not the central theme, declaring God to be a God of mercy. So that in spite of the wickedness out there, God wants to show mercy. Now, really, the only mercy God could show a world like ours is revival. That's the only thing that helps. You can't actually fix uh, the problem in the root of man's heart where man has become <clears throat> uh, the lord of his own uh, world and the controller of his own world, and he's the most important thing on his world. You can't fix that. Only revival, only man coming to a place where he sees and knows the reality of God uh, is going to help us. Look at Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known. In wrath, remember mercy. Now, God was dealing with sin in the book of Habakkuk. It's quite an interesting little book how God is dealing with sin. Habakkuk is having a terrible time understanding how and why God is dealing with sin in the way he is. But this is a little gem in the middle of it, he says in wrath remember mercy. Revive thy work, O Lord, in wrath remember mercy. You know what we need God to do today? We need in his wrath because he is upset. We need in his wrath for him to remember mercy. Cause if he doesn't remember mercy, what he will do is he will bring it all to, all to a close. And remember, the tribulation is when God pours out his wrath on the world. He just unplugs the whole thing, and he pours out his wrath on the world. But we're asking for God in wrath to remember mercy. We're going to look at mercy tonight, and then we're going to go to prayer, and Lord willing, we'll cry out to God for mercy on a world that doesn't deserve it. But you know what? If the world deserved it, it wouldn't be mercy. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us? Lord, we need your help tonight, Lord. Lord, we we, we do thank you that you are a God of mercy. And Lord, help us to know you, Lord, as a God that hates sin, as a God of wrath as well. But oh, Lord, would you help us to be a people that stand between your wrath and the world and cry out for mercy. And Lord, would you show that mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. See... Mercy is a magnet that draws people to God. You can talk about judgment uh, till the cows come home. And very often what happens when you talk about judgment is people just harden. They stiffen. They stand against it. But when you talk about <clears throat> mercy, uh, you reveal something about God that the world really doesn't understand or know. In itself, it doesn't understand. It. You see, the pagan gods are never merciful. They, they don't do that kind of stuff. The p- pagan gods are selfish like man and it's all about them and they want to work the whole situation for them, but mercy doesn't come into it for the pagan gods. When it comes to our God, our God comes into, uh, <laughs> he, he gives us mercy. He, he, he loves to pour out mercy on us. And if you, if you look at the history of the Bible, if you look at the history of Israel, for instance, well, Israel are a people that are constantly upsetting God, that are constantly grieving God, and yet constantly we're getting to see this side of God where he gives them mercy. He gives them mercy. He pours out mercy on them. Look at me at Exodus chapter 34. <clears throat> now, we're going to we're gonna have to do some work in the Bible tonight. Right? It's not all on the screen tonight. Uh, we're going to have to actually look at our Bibles tonight. Ex- Exodus chapter 34. You know, one of the things we could do when we get these tables and chairs on a Wednesday night, and it would be a little bit of work for us to do, but we could do it. Uh, we could put the tables out. We could sit around and ta- uh, at tables, and we could each have different groups uh, studying a portion of the Bible and then come together with them. Wouldn't that be exciting? All right, Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6. Someone you want, read, it, read it first? Exodus chapter 4, verse 6 and verse... Yeah, read it aloud, 6 and 7. And the Lord has pointed before him as a claim. The Lord, the Lord, glad mercy for his gracious, long suffering and abundant, in goodness and truth." too. He went out. Okay, go next verse, yeah. He uh, been made of the thousand for giving in front of him a salvation and saved, and that was... Now, here's what I want you to catch in these two verses, right? This is, this is talking about God, telling you who God is. One of those passages that just kind of opens up and lets you know uh, who it is that God is, right? And the Lord God passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful. See what what God's saying? He wants to be known as a merciful God. Uh, And then he says, uh, gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. all All those words are talking about his mercy, are talking about who he is, about the fact that the Lord God is a merciful God. Now, that's really important to us. Why is that important to you and I? Why is that important to, to you and I, that, that, that our God is a merciful God? Minson? We need, we need mercy. Like, Where was the first place that we really needed mercy? Pardon? And salvation. Listen, everybody in this room earned a place in hell every this everybody in this room did enough wrong in their lives that god could rightly have sent a lightning bolt and destroyed you on the spot and you could have spent eternity in hell everybody in this room and if you don't understand that you really don't know who god is but we we all but instead of god giving us justice and judgment god gave us mercy it was mercy. Instead of him looking at me and demanding uh, <clears throat> what the law requires, he placed all the law requires on his son and he gave me mercy. That's heady stuff. We Again, you see, <clears throat> like living with sin, living with mercy, we kind of get used to it and it doesn't hit us. But you know, the first time mercy hit you, the first time you understood you were a sinner deserving hell, and yet you were getting mercy, I mean, that's mind-blowing. That is, and, and that's who our God is, and that's who our God wants us to know him as. He wants us to know him as a God of mercy. Now, let me say this. <clears throat> we always want to make a choice, right? Mercy, judgment, you know, <clears throat> love, wrath. You know, we always want to make a choice. Well, you can't. See, mercy doesn't have any value apart from wrath. Does it? I mean, listen, if it's no big deal, you don't need mercy, do you? You know, if it's no big deal, (coughs) mercy doesn't actually mean much at all. But if it's a real big deal, if it's a real problem, then mercy becomes enormously valuable. And you see, (coughs) we had a problem Much bigger than we could fix. And he showed us mercy. Mercy is what we received uh, instead of judgment, right? Look at Micah 7, verse 18. Micah 7. Micah 7 and verse 18. Who'll read it for us? Micah 7, verse 18, there. Who's got it? All right, Jordan, read it for us, will you? Pardon? Verse 18. Micah 7, verse 18. Okay, now I want you to see the last part of that verse. Because he delighteth in mercy. Anybody know of a verse that says that God delights in wrath? It's not there. Does he do wrath? Yes. Does he get angry with sin? Yes. Does he delight in it? No, but he does delight in mercy. God delights in mercy. Look at what the rest of the verse says. Who is a God like unto thee? And, you know, there is no God like our God. And the the thing that makes him different is this issue of mercy, right? Uh, that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever. Could he justifiably be angry forever? Yeah, Why? because he delights in mercy. Our God delights in showing us mercy. We need to keep that in mind. Now We need to keep it in mind for ourselves. But we need to keep it in mind for a lost world out there. It's very easy for us to get all self-righteous and to condemn a world that doesn't conform to what God wants it to do. It's very easy for us to look at people and say, well, they're wicked and they're getting what they deserve. But the truth and the reality is that God wants to show them mercy. God wants to show them mercy. Now, help me here tonight. How's God going to show them mercy? How's God going to show that world out there mercy? How's God going to show our government mercy? How's God going to show uh, <coughs> the, 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 the wickedness of our land mercy? How's he going to do it? How's that going to work? How, how are we going to fit the bits together here to make that work? What is going to happen? Ben? <coughs> judgment? Okay, well, judgment is what's deserved. Right? So let me ask you this. Does Ireland today deserve judgment from God? If God was to call in the accounts of wickedness in Ireland and gather up all the sins and write them in a book and deal with it by justice, grim justice alone, what would he do? He'd destroy Ireland. He'd destroy the world. Right? If he was just, if it was just to be justice tonight, he would destroy it. But he wants to show mercy. Now, here's our question: What stands between judgment and justice and mercy for Ireland? Vincent, think you're going to say were you? Yeah, revival. revival, okay? Revival is what stands between. You see, are the Irish people going to turn around? and wake up some morning and say, you know what? I think we've been doing bad things. Let's start doing good things from now on so that God's not so upset with us anymore. Is that going to happen? Have you ever seen that happen? That doesn't happen. Right? Now, sometimes, you know, our sin costs us so much that we get fed up with it and we want to get rid of it. But, you know what? We don't start doing good just because uh, God's upset with sin. So, revival. Now, what is revival in that sense? What would revival mean uh, to the lost man who lives across the road, and he's just living his life, and, you know, <clears throat> he works all day, he drinks at the weekend, he watches some pornography, you know, he's, he tells lies, and he just lives like a normal Joe out there. Right? What would revival mean to him? Right now, is he aware of his sin? If we knocked on his door and said hello, do you know that you're under the wrath of God? He'd say, go away, leave me alone. <clears throat> Wouldn't he? That would just be his response. I mean, he has no idea there's a problem between him and God. No idea. It doesn't dawn on him any day of the week that there's a problem between him and God. He's, he's, just, he's just getting on with life. Now, sometimes he thinks about dying and he wonders, you know, if they're heaven, if they're hell. But really, he's not all that interested. He's just living his life. So how are we going to get him interested Needs to be told the gospel, right? So what we'll do is we'll put a big banner out there, and we'll tell them all, we're going to have a gospel service here uh, next Sunday morning, and all come and hear the gospel, right?" He's not coming because right, he's got stuff on. He's been working all week, and he's in bed on Sunday morning, and um, you know he, he's been drinking Saturday night, so he, he's not coming here on Sunday morning. Right? Now, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we're not doing that, right? <laughs> okay, so how, how are we going to do it? How are we going to induce him to do it? We'll go, we'll go knock on his door. Well, he doesn't care. Right? we pass out leaflets. Well, you know what? He probably doesn't read them. When? Well, we'll invite him, right? Okay, we'll invite him. But again, you know, for the most part, because we've invited everybody in Taliban this time. Right? The church church has been around for 30 uh, Odd oh, years. We've invited everybody in Tal at one time or another. And, um, <clears throat> you know, still, he doesn't go, what's going, how are we going to get him to come? Fine? God. God. Okay, now, so what about God's going to have to happen? The Spirit, okay? And wh- how's that going to happen? What's, what's going to happen in his life that's going to make him be interested? In He's what? Change of heart. Okay, change of heart. Yeah, we're getting there. We're getting somewhere now, aren't we? What's going to happen in his life that's going to make him be interested? Hugh Daly. Pray for him. Okay, we're going to pray for him. Because here's what we need we need something to happen that we can't do. We can't bring conviction to somebody's heart. Now, we can be the messengers, and the Spirit can bring conviction, but we can't bring conviction to somebody's heart. And you know, nobody gets saved without getting convicted of their sin first. You don't get saved until you come to the place where you see your sin as being a problem. And we can't do that. We're not able to do that. That's a work of the Spirit of God in men's lives and in men's hearts when they come to the place where they see their sin, where they recognize they have a problem. Now, if, if our friend across the road who is just a normal Joe, doing the normal things that normal men do and all his friends do the same, so he's not in the least bit concerned about it. If you don't like the fact that he does those things, he's not, he's not in the least bit. But let's say all of a sudden he got convicted of his sin and he knew God was upset with him now. Right? <clears throat> does that change the picture for him? Now we're no longer trying to get the gospel, trying to get him to listen to us. Now he wants to hear now he actually wants to hear what it is that we've got to say. Because he's now got a burden that he doesn't know how to fix. He knows God's upset with him. And now has a burden that he, that, that, that he can't fix. And now he's looking for an answer to it. You see, <clears throat> revival happens in all kinds of stages, right? <clears throat> revival happens in the church when we get under a burden to be right and to live close to God so that God can use us. Revival is when we come to the place where You know, we're burdened for our own sin. And then we deal with our own sin and we're burdened with the sin out there. And we start praying. And we start pleading with God to come down and do a work in our land. We start pleading with God to bring conviction to these people. And that happens. History's full of it. Like the church, the church lives on it. The church is not a nominal organization like the GAA that just spreads around the country because everybody wants to play football. The church actually needs the work of the Spirit of God bringing conviction for it to grow. Down in um, <clears throat> Offaly with, with, with Chris yesterday, and we're l- l- just looking at Offaly, and I'm looking at uh, at the country, and it's the countryside, you know? <clears throat> the... Uh, the <clears throat> they're moving down there. The missionary is leaving they're going to take over the church in Tullamore, uh, Pastor Mandarano's church, right? <clears throat> but I'm just looking at the place and I'm looking at all these people and, y- y- you know, when you get into the deep country, it always feels like they're different enough for Hugh Daly. Hugh Daly is very much at home in the deep country, all right? <clears throat> uh, but the rest of us, it feels kind of different and I'm thinking, what would make these people want to come to a Baptist church? What would make them interested? It would have to be supernatural, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be just somebody going knocking on the door. It would have to be something more than that that would make them interested. It would have to be something more than that in talent, too. It would have to be something more than just us trying to browbeat people into coming to our church. It would have to be a conviction that there was a problem between them and God and that they needed an answer. Because you don't want mercy till you have a problem. If somebody walks up to you in the streets and says, mercy, please give me mercy, you'd say, what's wrong with you? They're not going to ask you for mercy because they don't have a problem with you. But people start asking for mercy when they realize they have a problem. And that's when the Spirit of God is doing the work of God. Now here's the point I want to make to you. The point I want to make to you is that you and I stand Between wrath and mercy. You and I, we're the connection. We're the connection. God is always looking for somebody to stand in the gap. He's always looking for somebody to stand between him and a world that deserves his wrath and plead for mercy for them. That's what God's looking for from you and I. That when it comes to revival, uh, when it comes to us seeing God do that work, we need to understand that What we need is, we need to stand between them and his wrath and cry out for mercy. Now, here's the thing. God delights in showing mercy. You're in the right place. You're on on the right prayer when you're praying for mercy for them. Because we have just read that God delights in showing that. And God wants to show himself as a merciful God, but he wants you and I crying out to him for it. You see, you and I get so fed up with the sin of the world that, we, that we, you know, we want to play God and we want to send the lightning bolts, don't we? Now, God wants to show mercy. God wants to show mercy to the most wicked of people. Remember Manasseh on Sunday night? Isn't that a fascinating story? This guy who was as wicked as all get up. I mean, he was as wicked as wicked could be. I don't know that there's much more wicked. I mean, to be honest with you, Ahab did a lot of wicked stuff. But I'm not sure that he did as blatantly wicked stuff as Manasseh did. just sticking statues in the temple. He was pretty wicked. And what does God do? God shows mercy. God shows mercy. Now, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us who it was. But I'm sure there were people praying for Manasseh. I'm sure there was there, there, there were some people that were crying out for mercy for Manasseh. And God gave him mercy. Now it's tough mercy. You know, you get a chain uh, <clears throat> tied onto your nose and you get dragged along to Babylon, your feet, chain, your feet and your hands tied and, you know, uh, you get your life basically taken away and, 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 and then you start crying out for mercy. But God wanted to show mercy and God shows the mercy. You see, <clears throat> there's no condition that we can be in but we can see some mercy in it. God can give us, you see remember we looked at it recently in Lamentations chapter 3 when uh, Jeremiah is in Jerusalem and, uh, and it's ransacked, ruined, wrecked and um, he says this, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. So that even in the hardest things there's mercy because God's a God of mercy. He wants to show mercy. See mercy sweetens all of God's their attributes um, <clears throat> if, if we had a God who was holy and just without mercy, we'd be in a tough place we'd be in a hard place we really would because because if he was if he was so exact of us for the stuff we've done in the past week we'd be in trouble because you think that's oh, not bad not too bad I mean I didn't do anything bad but you You're not living on his plane. You're not living on how how holy he is. If God was to uh, deal with us in justice, we'd be in trouble. But you know what? Justice is made bearable by mercy. It's made bearable by mercy. Mercy should make us both happy and humble. What What do I mean by that? Well, listen, it's pretty exciting that God shows mercy, isn't it? I am so glad that when I close my eyes tonight, I don't have to worry that I might die in the night and wake up in hell. And that's all mercy. That's not because <clears throat> Dave got it right, or you know, or even has gotten it right since he got saved. That's, that's just mercy. Mercy saved me, and mercy keeps me. <clears throat> you know, um <clears throat> mercy is not the fruit of my goodness. Mercy is not something I ever earn. Mercy is something God gives me, even though I don't deserve it. That should make me happy but it should make me humble too. I didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. You know the difference between me and the man across the street? The difference is I cried out for mercy. And I cried out for mercy because somebody was praying and somebody declared the gospel to me and I said, you know, this is a good deal. I'm in trouble. I need this. The Spirit of God did a work of conviction, I cried out for mercy, and God gave me mercy. Do you know that I'm not any better than the man across the street? Neither are you. We're not better than anybody else. That's that's a problem for us as believers. We get to think we're better. We're not. It's mercy. It's God's mercy, you see. If God were to judge the rest of the world, and just let us off apart from his mercy, it would be totally unjust. He lets us off because of mercy, and he will let them off because of mercy too. He wants to. You know, the, most <clears throat> the person who's most interested in revival uh, in our world is God. Now, I don't fully get it. I don't fully understand all the <clears throat> ins and outs of it, and, but you know what? God wants revival. God wants to show mercy. God wants to reach down and touch. And <clears throat> he wants to reach down and change. He, he, he wants to turn this world around. He wants to do it through us. Which is kind of amazing, isn't it? Why would God want to take and use you and I to do something great like that? Let me give you a couple of verses. I'll just quote these to you rather than um, when it comes to you being humble about it. Uh, In Job chapter 10, verse 15, Job says this. He says, If I be wicked, woe unto me. And if I be righteous, yet will I not lift up my head. Now, Job was a righteous man, but he wasn't proud of his righteousness. Why? Because it was mercy. It wasn't how good Job was, right? <clears throat> um, <clears throat> Romans 2 verse 4 says, Or, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? See, it's God's mercy, God's goodness that brought you and I to repentance. See, we don't understand that. We take that on board. Listen, it's mercy. It's what God does in my life. You see... <clears throat> It's God's heart, it's God's passion to show mercy to me. Second um, <coughs> Peter 3 verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What's God's will for my friend across the road? Pardon? Yeah, that He come to Repentance. That's God's will. Now, will God force him to come to repentance? No. Will God force you to come to repentance? No, but his will is for all of us to come to repentance. Now, repentance is when I understand I am a sinner and I deserve judgment and it's wrong and I'm turning away from it. That's repentance. It's. God that brings that into my life. And I respond effectively to God as far as repentance is concerned. But it's God's will for all of us to repent. It's God's will for him to, God's will for him to repent. Now, you know what? I've seen God's mercy. I've repented, and I've seen God's mercy. And I'm going to heaven because of it. Maybe you have too. I hope you have. If you haven't, you need to. I, but you know what? They need to see God's mercy. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of difficult things that we've got to work out in this life, isn't there? Like my car's broken down to the mall. It? No, it's actually fixed. I have to go and pick it up, right? Um, <clears throat> but, you know, there's a little electronic doohickey duch- in it uh, <clears throat> that somehow failed, and it's cost me more money than I want to say to get it fixed. Now, the car was running fine, without this little electronic doohickey in it, but there was just this little light on the dash and it's got to go through the NCT and the little light would have meant that it wouldn't have gone through the NCT. Now, it's a problem. Mechanic has spent quite a while unravelling it, working it out, and now he has it fixed. And I'm going to have to pay him a fortune in the morning uh, (coughs) for it to get it back. But that's a problem. We'll spend hours, we'll spend time working out problems like that because uh, we have to. But you know, there's a problem bigger than all of them. Bigger than all your financial problems, bigger than all your health problems, bigger than all your, your car problems, bigger than all the problems with your house, bigger than all your school problems, your college problems. There's a problem that's bigger than all of that. There's a man across the road, and he's going to hell because he doesn't know any better. And all around this world, there's about 7 billion people like him. They're going to hell, basically because they don't know any better. And you say, but don't they have a conscience? Yeah, they have a conscience, but they've shut it down. You say, don't they know right from wrong? Well, yeah, they do, but they live in a world where right's been made wrong, and so they're totally confused about right and wrong. And you know what that man and all the other seven billion men need? They need the Spirit of God to move in conviction. Now, I can't give you all the answers because I don't know them myself. But I do know this, that every time you see God move, every time you see God do a great thing as far as changing hearts and lives are concerned, there's a people somewhere Crying out to him for mercy. Every time. Every single time. Every single time. There's a people somewhere crying out to God for mercy. There's people somewhere uh, for whom the biggest problem in the world has become. The need for mercy. And they've started crying out for God to do something about it. Now, you know what? I think if we cry out to God for mercy for the people around us, I think God would do two things. I think he would do a work in our hearts first. And then I think he would do a work in many hearts out there as well. I can't give you a time schedule. I can't say when. I can't say how it's all going to come together. But you know what? When we start praying, Like that, we're praying right in the area God wants us to pray. Because he's a God of mercy. Because he's long-suffering. Because he wants to display mercy. Because he wants the world to be saved. We're in the right place. We are right on target with where God wants us to be. When we start praying like that. When we start crying out to him for that. Let me ask you this. I'm not looking for a great commitment from you or anything. But let me ask, ask you this. Make it your habit to cry out for mercy in revival for our world today. Make it your habit in your prayer life to cry out for revival. Lord, would you do it? You don't have to understand all the ins and outs of how it happens. But you know what? We desperately need it. Make it your habit to cry out like that. Dr. Flanders is coming this weekend, and really this is the topic that he's going to hit for us. <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know, he can tell you stories of revival that will, that will just, just <clears throat> quicken your very soul, bring life to you. But you know, we need revival. Oh, we need a lot of things. We need money for the man's home. That's a problem. You know, we need money for the uh, carpet and the the rest of the chairs. That's a problem. We need the budget for the church fixed. That's a problem. But you know, none of the problems. Anything as necessary as this problem. We need God to move in revival in our church and in our land. And he does in answer to prayer. God does it in answer to prayer. Let's do this tonight. We haven't done it in a while, but let's do it. And again, no pressure on you. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. And let's ask him for a revival. You may say, Pastor, I don't feel like I know enough about it. That's okay. Do you know somebody that needs to be saved? Ask him for that. Ask him for that. But let's cry out to God as a church tonight. I'll open us in prayer and then when we're done I'll close us in prayer and we'll sing. But let's take these moments now and just cry out to God for mercy for our land. Father we thank you for this evening. Thank you Lord for this people. Lord we are desperately in need of mercy and we know it. And we live in the midst of a people that are desperately in need of mercy but Lord they don't know it. Lord, would you help us to be the connector between you and them? And Lord, we can't do it with words and with leaflets and with invitations. Lord, it needs to be a deeper thing than that. Lord, would you do whatever you need to do in us? And then, Lord, would you bring that conviction that just wakens people from their slumbers and helps them to realize there's a problem with you and them. And, oh, Lord, would you give us the joy of ministering the gospel to wounded and broken hearts, Lord, that we might see souls saved and turn to you. Or would you bless now in this prayer time. Lord, give courage, quicken us, Lord. Uh, Use each heart and life, I pray, in Jesus' name. And just as the Lord leads, you just cry out to the Lord for revival.